The following is a fourth hand production. Welcome to a very Brady podcast. I'm your host. My name is Tack Van Sickle. And on this podcast, we celebrate the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch. As we break down the bunch one episode at a time, we take the episode, we'll break it down. Then we light it on fire and melt its motherfucking face off and then put it back together again. On today's episode, we're going to look at season one, episode 12, entitled The Voice of Christmas. If you haven't watched the episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might be a hell of a lot more funny if you do. The Brady Bunch is available to stream on Hulu, CBS All Access, and Amazon Prime. My guest today is a singer and vocal coach. She specializes in rock and metal vocals. She has a popular YouTube channel called Voice Hacks and is also lead singer of a band, Helium Prime. I welcome Mary Zimmer to the show. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It. How was your intro? Was that okay? Was the intro good? Yes, that was fine. Did I nail it or did I miss something? Or? No. Oh, okay. Sweet. <laughs> all right. So, okay. So you do voice lessons. You're a singer. First of all, how long have you been singing? Um, Since I was like... 10 years old, but I can't say that all of that time was very good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, doing something doesn't necessarily mean it was great at that time, but I have been doing it since that time, I think, yeah. So. Oh, awesome. Um, so, have you always been into metal? Like, was there any influence or stuff growing up? Like, did you have a musical family or... A um, good vocal coach? No, nobody besides myself and my sister are really musicians. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I I never. Uh, I didn't really get into metal um, till I was older. You know, I it mm-hmm. it just didn't appeal, or I didn't really have exposure to it really till I was older. Um, and so when I was growing up, I did like a lot of like the first 10 years, uh, some of that overlapped with when I was starting to get into metal at the end, you know, but the first like seven or six years for sure would have been like exclusively like musical theater and choir Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, lots and lots of musical theater. Um, so that's where I started. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, for sure. I was the same way. Like, I'm a metal singer, too. Um, right. But yeah. I started, I, I didn't really didn't discover rock or any kind of, you know, till I was like 12 or something like that. But I was, you know, like did a lot of musical theater. I did. I was in chorus. I, if you, I'm such a nerd. Like in high school, my letter jacket was, I got lettered in drama and chorus. Like, <laughs> that was me. Oh, so, yeah. Um, so, that's cool. Yeah. I'm a nerd, but um, nerd time. I love singing. <laughs> yeah, I love singing metal though, um, and I, I do need to improve it some, which is why I originally discovered you because I was like, "Hey, I need help with my screams, or I need help with this." Sure, and, sure. 
Um, so eventually I'm going to take you up on that once I start making more money. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what made you get into like being a vocal coach? Um, well, when I, I went to college and I studied music, um, uh, and I was a lot of that time training to be an educator like I changed my main major after a certain point I mean I still got the music degree but you can do like performance education you know what I mean oh nice different areas um and I just ultimately decided to drop off of like the actual teacher track because um when you get to a certain point, they make you do stuff in the education department that has like nothing to do has to do with like being a certified like teacher in your state or whatever. It has nothing to do with voice teaching. So you mm. get all the voice teaching part, but I didn't want to go through with the like t- teaching at a school kind of part in the other departments. Um, I so guess. I switched it so that it would take me less time. But I still graduated with my voice emphasis and everything, and so I know all this stuff about the mechanics of the voice and the way that it works and how to do this and how to do that. And um, it just ended up being a skill that could pay the bills (laughs) ultimately. (laughs) Um, But then I realized that I knew a lot more about um, the harsh vocals than other people. And Mm -hmm. um there is a lot of research about that, but you still have to like be a person who actively, you know, searches it out and puts it all together, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also really understands what any of it means. Like if you don't have a background or an education in it, like it, you won't, ma- it, you don't know what they're talking about, you know, when you read it. So you have to be able to interpret it. And so sort of this like really formal background that I come from, which was really based in classical singing and, classical music education is actually what enables me to do 90% of the stuff that I do with the crazy <laughs> stuff awesome. on YouTube. So if I hadn't had that like crazy formal background, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. Although those people I would say largely <laughs> shun me <laughs> to a great degree because the harsh <laughs> vocals are verboten, you know, like the, thou shall not scream, you know. Um, but that's because they're not open in the classical world and the formal world vocal world they are very close-minded and they don't look at current research and they don't even some of the updated ideas would help them you know so but um so i really am weird you know in this and unique (laughs) in this way so yeah it's just been a strange no way i don't think you're weird i mean i i feel like uh we have a lot in common when it comes to that (laughs) so (laughs) Like, I like a lot of the musical theater, too, even some of the music. Like, I have, like, soundtracks to, like, some, you know, some musicals and stuff like that. But I also listen to tons of metal, too, as well. Right. Uh, which is pretty much my go-to, you know. Um, yes. Um, if it's not metal, then it's usually 80s music. I love 80s music, too. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Classics. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, tell me about your band. It's uh, Helium Prime. Is that, am I saying that right? Yes. No, you're totally saying it right. Um, right. Yeah, it's a band. <laughs> like, it's a band. Oh, it's um, a band. <laughs> it's a band. Um, I'm sort of new to the band, actually. It's like an established band before mm-hmm. I joined it. Um, but it is sort of in this melodic metal kind of European 
style. And that's kind of where I've had most of my career based is sort of in these mm-hmm. um, overseas kind of styles of metal. Even though I'm an American, um, yeah. I have been in bands with some people who were not Americans. But for the most part, everybody's been North American based. It's just kind of that style um, and appeals yeah. to those audiences. Certainly, I've had more of an audience, great deal overseas um, in Europe and Japan and so forth. And so this was a perfect fit. They're on a German record label. and um, mm. um, But I really like the music. I think a lot of people were surprised to see me join a band that's like clean singing. But um, I can do harsh vocal covers all the time. I've been in a few bands that does harsh vocals. Like, if people want to see me, there's plenty. You know what I mean? It, I just feel like <laughs> yeah. that's... Like, whenever I'm in a band where I do harsh vocals, people always just focus on that. And they forget that I can actually sing. <laughs> So this band is like <laughs> yeah. little to no harsh vocals. It's all clean singing, but it is still metal. Oh, okay. But um, mm-hmm. I like that actually because I feel like then people remember that I can actually sing. So that's <laughs> it's cool. We're working I, on I, a. I, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, we're working on a record, and so we just finished talking to the guy. I think solidifying the guy we're going to do it with. Um, and working that out and everything. And we have a, a festival and some stuff lined up for next year. But um, people will probably see more from us after the record comes out later in 2020. And then um, and then a lot more touring in 2021, you know, because this year we're just trying to get the album done because they've had other vocalists. Um, and so there isn't like a record out with me. We put out one single with me um mm-hmm. so far that's actually doing like surprised us like it's doing really well um so yeah oh, nice. it's gonna be good i think so yeah. cool yeah i love um a mixture i love the dynamic of melodic vocals and then screams as well like that's why i love like Corey taylor so much <laughs> you know he's like my, one of my biggest influences sure he yeah. can do both so well and you know i just love it i love that dynamic um all right well cool um do you think you'll be able to play your song at the end of this episode? Like you can get the file and is that something that's cool or no? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think. Okay. Uh, well, it's on Spotify. So, I mean, I could play it and. Uh, we can cut this conversation out right here. So it's not a big deal, but I didn't know uh, if it's something. I don't know, you know if I have you can't the do file. It, it's be dope. I have to think about that. <laughs> I have to okay. see if I have it. Well, I can at least, I'll put a link at least in the show notes so people can click on it and go to it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, because it's on YouTube and Spotify and all the distributors and stuff. I just like gotcha. the actual file. Okay. I'm not sure if I have it. All right, it. no worries. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right, cool. That's where we're at now with technology. I'm like, do I actually have the song <laughs> file? Yeah. You know, I stream it. Even when I rehearse mm-hmm. my own band stuff, I just stream it on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah i guess that's one way to do it that's where we're yeah, at that's the, that's the problem with with music nowadays it's like there's no i don't know how old you are but like when i was a kid you know we had like tapes and we had you know st- stuff you could physically hold and mm-hmm. you can't do that anymore i mean unless you buy a cd or something which who does that like that's why yeah. i do collect vinyl records i do have record collection as well and mm-hmm. i just like that I don't know. Call me hipster or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but right. I still like that tangible holding 
of music again and you can pull lyric sheets out again and i just miss doing that you know and you get you actively involved in listening to music again instead of just click shuffle like somewhere <laughs> you know yeah so. that's true you know i mean i grew up in that era too but i um I like it better this era. I like technology. I love streaming. I'm super pro yeah. the digital era of music because I've been in the music industry for a mm -hmm. long time now. <laughs> and yeah. so I've seen things change from the physical starting in this time to the digital. And I love streaming and I like the access it gives us. Um, I, I have a different perspective for somebody who did grow up in the physical era of music yeah. and so um i really like the streaming era and there's a lot of reasons for that but that's just me and my preference i like <laughs> i love technology i love our where we're at with our phones i love that <laughs> for sure. i want to listen to this because the thing about it to me is it increases the thing of nostalgia i don't think anybody so for example if it wouldn't be for streaming um People like the Scorpions or David Coverdale or some of these classic awesome artists and stuff, right? They wouldn't mm -hmm. be selling anything. Now, those people are a bit screwed on the fact that they signed these old contracts, which before streaming existed took like their royalties. <laughs> they have, they are kind of screwed <laughs> on streaming royalties, those folks, because they signed, like, because when you sign old contracts, you sign over like the right to, to, something to things that don't exist yet basically and so you have no way someone in 1975 has no way of understanding how much money they're going to sign away whereas someone who independently owns all their streams nowadays is, is actually making some money like as long as they don't give it to a label you know and mm -hmm. so these old guys that's where they complain but at the end of the day they are having so much more of a presence and a relevance because they don't have to worry about selling records. Like their stuff gets streamed and it gets shown to new audiences by some of these shuffle things and stuff. So even for mm -hmm. some of the OGs that uh, didn't luck out on their unfortunate like 70s record deals and so forth, <laughs> yeah. um, the streaming era has actually kept a lot of things alive and it's been very good for the current melodic metal scene and niche genres but this is a whole thing i could go on a tangent on so i i, I think <laughs> I it's a good thing because otherwise like it's not like these old guys would have to learn if it didn't exist have to try to figure out a way to sell records in 2010 mm -hmm. but nobody wants to buy new records from these old people they just want to stream their back catalog so <laughs> it's actually been a great thing for them and their longevity and their relevance no don't get me wrong i love technology today i don't, I don't know where the hell we'd be without it, and I don't know how I survived without it for so long. But, yeah, I'm all for the digital age for sure. Um, <clears throat> which, you know, here's some proof that digital is the best way to go right now is because Tool finally released their album digitally for the first time ever, mm -hmm. which they've always been so anti-digital. Like, now, 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 you know. But they finally just released a digital album for the first time. Uh, and if um, you go and you calculate... And again, it's probably a little bit more because the Spotify payout rate does change based on how much revenue you're generating for Spotify as a whole, actually. Um, mm -hmm. So somebody generating more revenue will get a little bit more of a cut. And I may think that's only fair. The, like, so like Tool probably has a slightly higher streaming royalty. But even if you take 
the base streaming royalty. And again, their label or whoever is probably taking a significant cut of it. But still, when you calculate the <laughs> amount of money that they just make just off of Spotify, not the Apple Music yeah. streams, the YouTube streams, the other tons and tons of outlets, plus their physical sales, plus the digital downloads, mm-hmm. plus this, plus that, you know, it goes on and on. It's like, it's it, it can be in the billions. And the brilliant thing about the digital product, and I'm sure this is what Tool finally realizes, it's like indefinite profitability, just like the OGs. Like I was saying, you don't have to print records. Like they can just like mm-hmm. just stream it, just cash cow, just roll it yep. in. An artist that big, it's just ching, ching. It's way cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. For sure. I remember uh, I was in a band like probably like 12 years ago. Wow. Yeah, 12 years ago. And uh, we were looking into, like, uh, getting signed. And some label was talking to us about, like, doing a digital-only contract. And back then, we were like, no. (laughs) No, we want, you know, and then... Uh, we should have just taken it, but it was all right. Whatever. Well, you <laughs> it know, fine. it's hard to tell. And 10, 12 years ago, the, the industry was in total flux, like in between analog and digital. Some of these services that now are the absolute thing, like Spotify, were, were in their utter infancy, if, if at all mm-hmm. existing, and digital distributors and stuff. So people didn't really understand still what was going to happen, and the contracts didn't really affect reflect that and so like we couldn't again same thing as these old old guys like it's like you couldn't have quite the foresight of what it was going to be and how the landscape was going to ultimately play out for sure yeah man we can sit here and talk all day but we got (laughs) we got work to do so (laughs) uh i guess we got to get back to business here so um, what is your history with the Brady Bunch? So did you watch this growing up or did you hate it? Did you love it? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been old enough to see it growing up. I actually more remember um, the parody movie in the 90s <laughs> with the guy. <laughs> oh, those are great. Those are awesome. Those were hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and then your my parents were baby boomers, so they were old enough to put the show on. I think the reruns were certainly on, you know, so... I've definitely mm-hmm. seen my share of it, um, but not for years. Like today, when I watching yeah. the episode was definitely like the first time I've sat down and watched it in in a very long time, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right, cool. So let's take our first break, and when we get back, we're just gonna get into this. All right. Yay. All right. We will be back. Hey guys, if you love a very Brady podcast, then go online and check out the T Public merch store. They got everything in there. They got t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, hoodies, stickers, magnets, uh, pillows, and there's so many different t-shirt designs to choose from, from tanks to v-necks. If you want it, they got it. So go on there, check it out, order a t-shirt today or a magnet or a sticker. If not for yourself, get one for that Brady Bunch fan in your life. And guys, let me tell you, I ordered 
a couple of t-shirts to come in so I can check out the quality myself. And I got to tell you, I'm quite impressed. And I'm a bit of a t-shirt snob. It's got to be just right, the right thinness of material. Pretty similar to like like t-shirts that you get like at Target. It's very thin, very comfortable material. These guys over at Public definitely know what they're doing. And you want to talk about t-shirt colors? Of course, I only wear black all the time because it's slimming. But you can get pretty much any color under the sun. So go online to the Public merch store. The link is in the description of this episode. And always remember, have a sunshine day. are back okay so we got the Brady Bunch season one episode 12 entitled the voice of Christmas let's get into this so the first facts of the episode is this first aired on December 19th 1969 written by John Fenton Murray and directed by Oscar Rudolph and little fun fact from IMDB says this is the only Christmas episode in the entire series which yeah I don't remember any other ones so Right, because when uh, I was looking into stuff about this, there, there's a Christmas movie. It looks like they did, or some kind of yeah. They did a very Brady Christmas. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's interesting. Right. Uh, you'd think it like is. every year they'd be hitting that. Well, I guess that was the cash cow, the Brady Christmas specials. And... <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All right, you ready? Here we go. All right, so we fade in. <laughs> We open up and see Alice and Mike wrapping presents in the media room. Uh, Alice comments how Mrs. Brady is really going to enjoy the tape recorder Mike had gotten her. Mike says, well, she's been practicing day and night for her solo at church for Christmas morning. I thought she'd get a kick out of putting voice on tape. Mike says how excited she is to sing that solo. Alice says she's going to knock knock their socks off, I think is what she said. <laughs> Just then Carol comes in looking worried. Mike asks, what's wrong? Carol whispers, I can't talk. Mike asks if she lost her voice. Ella says, oh my, the Christmas service. How are you going to sing without a voice? You know, Alice is there just to show us. In case we don't understand what's going on, she explains it for us. So. <laughs> right. Thank God for her. <laughs> uh, next, we see Carol with a towel over her head and in front of a humidifier in the media room. Mike's on the phone with the doctor. He asked if there's any results from the test that she took earlier. Uh, he looks over and sees Carol looking at him, and he says, get your head back under there. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this guy's <laughs> just the way he said it. seemed very like like a dick, kind of. I don't know. Well, it's Maybe it's, it's kind of like um, like they didn't see, like in the, a lot of old stuff, you know, people are all like so the assumption is that everything's supposed to be so wholesome, but like that sounds dirty. Like <laughs> what he did, you know, yeah. but they didn't, it's like, they didn't realize it. Cause oh, like, yeah, they, I didn't even think of that. Right. They couldn't be like, Oh, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> I didn't even go the dirty route. I was just thinking very like, right. You know, I, I'm the man I, I, that's where I went with it. I was like, I'm disappointed in myself. That's 2020 for us. Right. You know, that's, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like the wholesome, like the attempt to be wholesome, although we know, you know, people weren't like he, people are people. But it's just like in the 60s and the 50s, you know, there was that post war, like everybody was trying to be like so wholesome all the fucking time. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what um, I've said this before on the show. Like Sherwood Schwartz is the creator of the show. Like he created it because so much shit was going on at this time. Like there was Vietnam was in full swing going on right now at this time. And he wanted like a wholesome family sitcom to bring like that cheesiness back again because the the country just needed a laugh is basically what mm-hmm. he wanted and that's kind of why the show was created um it makes so. sense i mean i'm pretty sure my dad was drafted into vietnam and well maybe sooner than that but um more like 65 or something probably but yeah yeah my mom was time. active duty my mom was active duty in the air force during vietnam as well so. oh crazy um, let's see here. So the doctor tells Mike that she has laryngitis. Uh, Mike walks over to Carol and tell her, tells her that all that rehearsing has strained her vocal cords. And for the next day or so, she has to uh, have complete rest and quiet. Carol whispers, but Mike, I have to decorate the tree and so much to do. And Mike says, shut up, whore. No, he didn't say that. He says, uh, don't worry about that. We'll all help pitch in and get it all done. He goes on to say, I know you don't like to baby yourself, but this is the first Christmas, and that's the main thing, isn't it? And Carol nods, and he goes, "At a girl. <laughs> and Mike walks off. And then she, like, flicks him off or something. <laughs> now she, like, sticks her tongue out at him, which I thought was kind of weird. I don't know. It's kind of it- odd behavior, I thought. Well, one thing I noticed watching the show is, like, there's this old-fashioned, like, in the old-fashioned times, the olden times, um, um, you know, the women are presented more as, like, children almost. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I noticed that, mm-hmm. like, the when she was upset, it was like, oh, like, in the beginning, like, the way she was, <laughs> yeah. like, hugging him was almost Where? like child-to-parent relationship. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, calling the woman a girl, kind of, or her pouting and sticking her tongue out at him. It's, like, very childlike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, creepy. how he's, I thought it was interesting how, I mean, I guess she didn't have a voice, but, um, you know, he's the one talking to the doctor and stuff. I, I think without a voice, <laughs> yeah. you can make a case for that, but. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, though, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. You know, it's like, I'm sad. It's like, no, no, I won't have any of that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. The olden times. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so she sticks her tongue at him when he walks away, which I thought was kind of odd. But All right. So just then the boys are in the living room trying to bring the, the Christmas tree through the front door. Mike sees this and walks over and taps Greg on the shoulder. Greg says, just a minute, Dad. We're trying to get the tree through the front door. Mike rolls his eyes and open rolls his eyes and opens the second half of the French doors. Peter says, "Boy, are we dumb dumbs?" Mike says, "Don't feel dumb, boys. They didn't give me an architect degree for nothing." Wah wah wah. <laughs> so, so Mike and the boys set the tree up. Mike spots uh, Carol walking through and says, "Honey, you shouldn't be roaming around." Uh, Carol points to the humidifier and sits down. Mike asks where she wants the tree set up. She motions that she doesn't care, so they decide. So Mike looks around and says, hey, how about over there? The boys and him bring it over to next to the stairs. Mike asks uh, how it looks to Carol, and Carol shakes her head like, no, no. 
Uh, she points over to the entry hall. The boys are like, all right. So they all move out over there. And then uh, Mike says, you know what? This is this is the only place for it. This looks perfect. And Carol's like, no. Uh, she looks around and points right back to where it was originally. And the boys are like, Ugh, and they bring it back. Good times. Uh, next we see Carol standing on a ladder next to the tree and the girls and Alice are walking down the stairs carrying Christmas decorations. Alice says to be careful with the boxes because they're fragile. Cindy asks, what's that mean? Fragile. Just then Alice trips over a box and breaks an ornament and she's like, that's fragile. Mm-mm-mm. Comedy ensues. No, Mary? No? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, it's like, it's like the, you know, uh, um, it's just like people back then would enjoy and buy a show like that more. It's like now it just doesn't, um, it just comes across <laughs> weird. Like, it's, I'm not expecting you to be like laughing. I'm like, oh my God, that was the funniest thing ever. No, I know. It's cheesy. No. It's dumb. But it's great. But um, <laughs> it's interesting. I kept wondering too. So like Carol doesn't work. And then they also have yeah. a housekeeper. I was like, man. Thank you. I've mentioned this like so many times on the show. It's like, what? you know, they have a live-in housekeeper who does the cooking, does the cleaning, uh, takes care of the kids. Yet Carol's a stay-at-home mom. I don't get it. I don't get <laughs> no. it either. I was like, man. So she just gets to like chill. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally she helps Alice like set the table. You see, I, I watched her water the plants in an episode last week. So, you know, we do we do give her a lot of shit on here. So it's like, That's yeah. interesting. It is. <laughs> oh, there's so many like Brady conspiracies that we come up with too on here. So oh, if that's you got funny. any, please share. <laughs> I mean, that's there's all, funny. there's tons that we're discovering. <laughs> that's funny. All right. <laughs> Now, Mike is in the kitchen with Alice. She's boiling something up in a pot on the stove. Mike takes a whiff and says, Mmm, Alice, that smells terrible. (laughs) Alice says, It may smell terrible, but it's a cure for laryngitis. Then Mike asks, You're going to soak that cloth in the stuff and get Mrs. Brady to wear it around her neck? And she's like, That's the idea. Mike says, "Uh, Nothing else has worked, so hey, why not? Uh, Mike also comments how he wants to return the tape recorder that he got for her because he doesn't want to remind her about losing her voice and all that and blah, blah, blah. So Greg walks in and asks if they're going shopping soon. Alice says that uh, she's making lunch soon and Greg gets a smell of the pot and says, uh, none for me, thanks. I suddenly feel sick. And then he runs off. These jokes are doing nothing for you, Mary. Nothing. <laughs> well, I know. I'm, I I'm mean, they uh, already saw them. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm mostly just giving you a hard time <laughs> because you're just like, <laughs> remember, you're on the podcast, not just listening to one. <laughs> right, right. I've been on podcasts before where I had it in my ear and, and I totally forget that I'm like on the show because I'm just so used to listening to the show all the time and, oh, and they'd right. be like, Tack, what about, I'm like, oh shit, I forgot I'm actually on the show, not just listening to a podcast. Right. So. Well, um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I wonder what Alice had in her little cure. I wonder what it was supposed to be, like the ingredients. <laughs> I don't know. She said something about vinegar at one point, and I don't know. She said some other stuff, but now 
I don't know if you know the science of any since you're like a vocal coach and all, but like, is that anything that's actually going to work? Like if something around your neck is going to help? No. Um, I mean, here's the thing. There, there's two kinds. I mean, an, an itis, if you will, can refer to a lot of, <laughs> to any sort of like inflammation of anything, you know, so you can, you can call or, or like malfunction, sort of like medical you know, where you're like, it's it's the blank itis, the itis, you know. So when <laughs> yeah. people say laryngitis, there are two things. There is okay. the type of itis, I guess, when somebody overuses their voice, which is kind of what they're starting with in this. Just, yeah. But in general, we try not to call that laryngitis. We just call it ho- hoarseness because okay. we need to distinguish it from viral laryngitis an actual uh, laryngitis which is where uh typically only happens when you're act- when you're already sick with something it's not mm. a virus you usually get it, usually our immune system is strong enough in general to avoid the actual laryngitis um it's just if you mm. already have a bronchitis or a cold or something it will move in while you're uh, system is still weak, uh, or whatever, and that mm. will actually just just kind of do what they present in the thing, where it's like boom, voice is gone, you know. Like, um, although in the Brady Bunch episode, they're kind of inferring that the rehearsal is making it go away yeah. from from using it, and that would imply hoarseness. But that's something that you would gradually uh, see happening. Uh, hoarseness Mm -hmm. it wouldn't just be like boom i can't talk so it's kind of confusing the two the boom i can't talk is like um and also the way that florence henderson is singing um it it shouldn't be causing any hoarseness like operatic singing that's what i thought too it doesn't really make sense so they're kind of confusing like viral laryngitis with like with like hoarseness and vocal fatigue um and so they're kind of presenting it as the way that viral laryngitis happens where that is weird that's one that it's just like boom literally like your voice just doesn't work and you're like it's the weirdest thing because you didn't hmm. do something you know you weren't like making yourself hoarse and it's just and it and it also doesn't feel the same as being hoarse it's just like doesn't work it's just very strange and many viruses you know things like meningitis and they can affect the nerves in the body you know um and many respiratory viruses the laryngeal nerves are particularly susceptible so it's literally just a virus that just like ceases to allow your cords to move and function in the way that they normally would and as soon as it's gone your voice comes back it's not at all the same Mm -hmm. so unlike hoarseness like some of the methods are presented like would help her recover from hoarseness like you know doing the humidifier and things like that or if you had like an accompanying cold with your laryngitis or bronchitis but honestly like the viral laryngitis like you want to there's nothing you can do you can put something on your neck you can do it. It's not like a physical malfunction. All that stuff works for like physical malfunctions. You can do a lot to mm. your muscles around the neck and like things when you're using the voice funny. But all the stuff she was trying to do, like none of it's going to make it come back in the case of like a virus. You would have to just literally wait for the virus to pass and just yeah. try to have your vitamin C and stuff. I literally, my best friend messaged me today and has laryngitis it's weird that we're talking about that (laughs) and i've told her the same thing i was like there's not 
you didn't lose your voice from going hoarse. So there's actually all the treatments are related to hoarseness or muscular problems or vocal fatigue or or dryness. They don't have anything to do with like the virus of laryngitis. And that sucks because you literally can't do anything. You have to wait until it comes mm. back. Um, and that just takes time. And it does, inevitably. Rarely does, does that affect people in a, a, um, a permanent way. So it's kind yeah. of the way they're presenting it is more like that way. So they... <laughs> But it's the Brady Bunch. Like I'm not expecting them to be like a vocal, you know, a medical no, no, whatever, you. you know. No, that's cool. I appreciate you sharing all that. Mm-hmm. That's good. The cool. FYI. Yeah. All right. So Alice finds Carol in the living room next to a tree. She holds up a towel and says, this is the secret recipe handed down in my family that will cure laryngitis, which we all know that's BS. Right, Mary? Yeah. It might now, have cured some hoarseness a little bit if it has. Oh, okay. If it was All a right. mechanical, you know, the itis uh, of okay. caused by, but not in the case of the virus. I mean, I mean, maybe like some vinegar or whatever would like absorb through the skin and you'd get some nice antiviral, uh, like an immune boost. But I think like as far as breathing hmm. and steam and herbs, that's going to relate to more like a functional itis. Yeah. So okay. yeah, I don't think it would have done much. <laughs> <laughs> in your professional opinion yeah <laughs> all right so uh, she says now hold still while i put it around your neck carol covers her nose and is shaking her head like uh no alice says she knows it doesn't smell very nice but it'll work carol runs away whispering alice no <laughs> i thought that was kind of funny uh alice says that uh nothing else has worked and she demonstrates how easy easy it is to wear so alice takes a sniff and looks a little woozy. She asks Carol. Uh, she asks Carol one last time to wear it, and Carol's like, "All right." <clears throat> so Alice says that she'll be cured in 24 hours. So Mike walks in and comments how she's gonna go. She, oh, you're gonna try Grandma's old recipe, huh? And uh, he says he's gonna take the kids uh, to go finish shopping. Carol asks if the smell bothers him, and he's like, "Nope, not at all." And then he starts to lean over for a kiss, and then is like. Yeah, no, I'm all set. And then she's like, nope, come here, you. And, like, pulls him in and, like, makes him go. <laughs> uh, the funny stuff. Old, the olden times. <laughs> um, you know uh, what no. I was feeling, too, was, like, I feel like Alice, see, Alice reads to me like a lesbian now. Um, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but back yeah. in the day, like, you couldn't say... Anything like that. It's just like the single lady, you know, or. <laughs> well, she does meet, uh, start dating Sam the Butcher eventually. Well, she, she actually does. Already I started, remember that. So, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> she has a boy. She has a man friend for a while. Yeah. <laughs> man friend. Yes. Uh, but she does give off that lesbian vibe for sure. You're not the first to say this on this show. But yeah, she does for sure. <laughs> just, I mean, because the thing about it is, is like back in the day when people were gay, they had to act more in certain ways to indicate uh, to other people slyly, you know. Um, and, it, I mean, mm-hmm. it's really unfortunate, but, I mean, um, and I think a lot of, too, a lot of, like, lesbian people did marry men, or any gay person in general probably just yeah. did did that mm-hmm. anyway, just to, like, cover it up or to hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I feel bad for people at that time, you know, so. Well, yeah, I mean, that's Robert Reed, who plays Mike Brady. He was gay. And he had a problem, uh, like, 
Like nobody knew. He eventually came out to Florence Henderson and told oh, wow. her. Wow! Wow! Because yeah, it was a big series. He was not openly about it at all. Not until after he passed away, because he passed away from AIDS um, in the eighties. Um, is when oh, it really came out that he was wow. gay. Um, but everybody knew on the set after a while, but nobody really cared. And like he actually had problems. I've said this before on the show. Um, in his like romantic scenes with Florence Henderson, he actually had a problem with it. He, he, he wasn't comfortable at all. And so she tried to work with him and like, okay, let's work on this better. Let's, you know, try to, so she was very understanding about it. And, uh, and it, by the way, side note, I don't know if you knew this, but he also hated doing this show. He hated it. Like wow. he tried to quit three times in season one alone because he's a dramatic actor. He did not want to do some stupid family comedy. He was like, I'm way above this. This is the dumbest thing ever. But, you know, anyway. though, like theater and Hollywood, you know, I've always had like a lot of gay people and like drag queen friends like way, way, de- you know, a couple decades ago before, you know, mm-hmm. things were as acceptable as they are now. And it's all yeah. because of like theater and Hollywood and, and, and film. People always are very progressive. I noticed entertainers about um, you will back in the day you would meet more open people and more out people. You know, qu- quietly, mm-hmm. just with, like you said, within your co-actors or whatever, but definitely yeah. um, that's, uh, yeah, because you think about it like, okay, so you you play a gay person, you know, and then you make out with this guy every day on the set, you know, and you're <laughs> like, uh, you know what I'm saying? So you can really see <laughs> how his perspective would be like that, because if it would mm-hmm. make you uncomfortable to be making out, you know, to do the opposite of whatever your orientation is, you know, it. You yeah. can totally see how like a person like that would, yeah, you'd like be forcing yourself. You'd find it just as awkward. You'd be struggling with that. That's wild. Mm-hmm. I actually really didn't know that about him. So fun facts, yeah. you learn things every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> All right. So now we're at the shopping center and we see Mike and Cindy. Cindy is standing in line to see Santa. Mike comments on how long the line is. And Cindy suggests that she can wait in line by herself. Mike says that, uh, well, he did want to exchange the tape recorder he had, still wrapped, which I was like, why does he still have it wrapped at the store? <laughs> right. Because we like, literally watched him wrap it in the very first scene of this whole Take show. this back. The, the prop people were like, we don't have a tape recorder. Just use the wrapping one. <laughs> yeah, that's totally exactly. like, you know, that's the thing about doing theater. Old TV shows are shot like stage. And... Mm-hmm. To this day, if there's any sort of sitcom in front of a live audience, it's shot like a theater production, like a stage production, where Mm -hmm. it's from the front. You notice like the Brady living room. It's like Full House as well, like and Family Matters and all the 90s shows were like that. The live audience ones, you know, it's from the front. Like multi-camera sitcom, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the kitchen, everything has a front and there's a back wall, you know, and it's like a stage and the way that they cross in and out behind like and just like the things like that, like noticing like a prop thing. Like it seems all a lot like being in theater when I, you know, and like the decisions we would make in theater, you know, like, oh, well, we'll Mm -hmm. just use the wrapped one. And like, we got just got to (laughs) do it because nobody has like a brand name tape deck box. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. So. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, so he asks, um, are you sure you don't mind waiting alone? And Cindy says, puts her hands on her hips like, daddy, I am six years old. And Mike says, I keep forgetting. 
Now, just wait here and I'll be back. So Mike leaves and Sydney is standing in line behind a boy. The boy turns and looks at or the boy turns to look at her and she says, hi, I'm Cindy. What's your name? The boy responds with, I hate girls. Oh, my God. And she's like, all right. I'm pretty sure, like, it was weird because you can see her, like, mouth, like, well, fuck you then. Like, I swear she said that. I swear. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a joke. All right. That actress. Um, wait a minute. Who what? played her in the um, the the 90s parody movie? Who played um, Cindy? Yeah. Um, some, I don't know. I don't think it was really anybody that went on to do anything, but I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and think about that, um, because there's something about her that I can't remember, but, um, hmm. interesting, but, um, anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, a little later, Cindy, uh, is next in line to see Santa. Meanwhile, the girl hating the girl. The boy, the girl hating boy. Wow, I can't words. Okay. The girl hating boy is sitting on Santa's lap, reading off a list of shit that he wants. Santa is rolling his eyes. Santa tells him he'll read the list later and just pushes him off. Uh, Cindy walks up and sits on Santa's lap. Santa asks what toy Cindy would like for Christmas. Cindy says, oh, I don't want any toys. I'm sorry. I don't want any toys because she has a lisp. Uh, Santa says, no toys. Uh, you must want something for Christmas. Cindy, Cindy says, I do. I want mommy to get her voice back. Santa says, her voice back? Cindy's like, yeah, mommy's got laryngitis. Real bad. And she has to sing at church on Christmas. Santa says, well, Cindy, I don't think I can do. And then Cindy interrupts like, oh, please, Santa. It's all I want for Christmas. Uh, Santa says, well, you certainly are a sweet, unselfish little girl. I'm sure your mommy will get her voice back. And so Cindy is all excited and hugs Santa. Just then Mike shows up and Cindy runs over and says like, daddy, daddy, Santa's going to give mommy her voice back for Christmas. Mike's like, he is what? And he's like, how can he do that? He's not a doctor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's better than a doctor. He's Santa Claus. Did... Uh, the actress who played Cindy, did she actually have a lisp or was that something? She actually had a lisp, yes. And because of that lisp is why she got casted on the show. That's what I was thinking. I was like, because that, to ask a kid to do that is like Mm -hmm. not, like I don't think they would be, like a little kid would have a hard time, I think, acting. (laughs) It's hard to get kids to do a lot of stuff like voice control stuff like that. So yeah, I was wondering, right. yeah, I figured that might've been real. So yeah, that's uh, the only reason why she got, well, she had blonde hair and she had a lisp. And so Sherwood Schwartz creator said, uh, that's who I want to play Cindy. Okay. Mostly because of the lisp. And she was a little outgoing too in the audition, but you know, I've, I've had this conversation with other people on the show. I was like, um, <laughs> like for, I've had some people comment that like who hired these kids like these are the worst acting kids I've ever seen like none of them have any talent were they just strictly casted on looks alone like they got brown hair they got blonde hair you're wow. hired you know kind of thing. and uh, it's kind of funny I found an interview somewhere with one of the kids and and he admitted that's exactly what they did in the audition <laughs> it was like it was just a looks alone audition and worried about, oh, we'll teach them how to act later kind of a thing. 
<laughs> yeah, they had like I noticed. Do all of the does everyone have blue eyes? I feel like. Oh, I don't know. I never. It's not in the song, so I don't know. <laughs> well, the, I just happened to notice that because I was thinking that when I was looking at it, I was like, "Wow, they these people are all really specifically chosen." Uh, like, <laughs> I look, really yeah. did notice that this time around, going back, and I'm actually curious to see if, like, I'm gonna look at the. I don't know, that's a good question, though. Let's see if they all have. Um, actually, the kid who played Bobby actually was a blonde, and he had to dye his hair brown for the show. So, you know, he has light, like they have the light features. I don't know. I can't tell mm-hmm. if Maureen or, or the the oldest one or Marsha <laughs> and the Maureen um, McCormick, Marsha. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell if she has brown eyes and the oldest guy. Those are the only two. The rest, everybody else looks like they have blue eyes. I can't. I think tell. Greg has. Oh no, blue no. Eyes, Maureen McCormick has blue eyes. When I look, hmm. um, this is interesting. We've never had this conversation before. Yeah. Mm. So I think they all have blue eyes, as well. I think Mike Even... has blue eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Florence Henderson. Oh yeah. Um... But dude, what about in the later seasons when she has that? 70s mullet thing happened. <laughs> no, she has blue eyes too. Okay. <laughs> and it's so funny you say that because when you said later, and I was thinking, what is she going to say? The mullet that she had? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure enough. That's yeah, so they awesome. all have blue eyes. Oh my God. I was just looking. So not only did they pick them on the hair color, but every, the entire family has wow. blue eyes. That's crazy. Maybe they thought yeah. that would make them look more related. What are the odds, though, I of guess. like, I mean, genetically, of like six people, especially the people with the brown hair, like that not a single one of them has brown eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird. That's like some serious, like, oh, your grandparents and your grandparents' grandparents, like everybody has to have blue eyes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, well. I just happened to notice that. So. No, that's a good observation for sure. And what's funny too is that uh, a lot of my guests, most of them really, always comment something about wardrobe, and I never notice wardrobe. Like, I could have somebody like, "Hey, did you notice that Cindy was wearing like a pirate costume?" And I can be like, "No, where the fuck was that?" Like, you know, and like <laughs> just, I don't notice wardrobe. Or is it just like, like weird seventies clothes that look like a pirate costume? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that wasn't a real thing, but it'll be something like, hey, did you notice that Mike and Carol were upstairs and all they did was go from upstairs to downstairs, but yet they were wearing different clothes? And I'm like, I didn't notice that at all because I just don't notice wardrobe, but it seems like all my guests tend to comment something about wardrobe. Where's the continuity editors on this? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is where we take our next break. So, uh, Carol's in quite a pickle. She can't sing. She has laryngitis. And uh, I'm getting nervous. So, we're going to figure out what happens when we come back. We'll be back. Say, I'm disturbed. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of mysteries, conspiracies, the unusual and the unexplained. Do we have a laser thermometer to figure out if Admiral Byrd is here? 
I'm pointing the laser at the wall now. 71.1. 71.2. Admiral Bird is here. With John, Brent, and Conspiracy Bot. You're all idiots. Yeah. Join them each week as they clarify conspiracies. I'm a Stuart Swerdlow. I promise I am human and I do human things. <laughs> Explore enigmas. It's all about ley lines and you'd understand that if I could explain it to you. And probe the paranormal. Hysteria 51 is a hilarious expedition into the eccentric. Stop on my joke. I Thank will when you. they're good. Tune in each week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Stay woke, meet sex. And we are back. We left off. Carol's supposed to sing Christmas morning at church, but has come down with a case of laryngitis. Cindy asked Santa uh, to fix it for her, and, uh, well, we'll see what's going to happen. So next we see Mike back in the locker room of the shopping center, apparently, mm-hmm. and says uh, says to Santa, he's like, how could he make such a promise to a little girl? Santa says, listen, mister, this is Christmas, and I'm Santa Claus. Mike says, maybe it's okay to promise material things like toys, but not voices. How's Cindy going to feel tomorrow morning when her mother can't even say Merry Christmas to her? Santa says that he just couldn't resist because she was so cute. He should have pushed says, him into a locker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, okay, he should have put him and grabbed his, <laughs> grabbed his shirt and said, look here, bucko. Yeah, Listen. totally should have done that. <laughs> it should have gone Italian so, like real fast. I don't know who you think you are. Tell the little girls. <laughs> and uh, he says uh, she was so cute, and he was just trying to make her happy. Mike says uh, that's great for now, but what's going to happen Christmas Day? Mike walks off with the dirtiest. That sounds fuck pretty look. pretty gangster though. Like what's going to happen Christmas Day? Like, <laughs> 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 that was a gangster. <laughs> the Tony Soprano Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Hey, there was a movie of that one with with him and uh, what the what the what's that guy's name? Uh, what movie was that? Wait, Surviving James, Christmas or James Gandolfini? Oh, oh, oh! It, yeah, it was James like a Christmas movie, like Italian. Well, no, not really. It was James Gandolfini and um, Ben Affleck. Mm. That's oh. who it was. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> that sounds not. It, it wasn't self, great, but it was. Do not. It was watch kind of it. entertaining. It had uh, Christina Applegate in it too, so that kind of brought it up. You know, the points up a little bit. Yeah, I like um, her, but. Oh yeah, she's she's an American treasure. <laughs> and, <laughs> But yeah, um, no, it was, God, what the hell was it? It was pretty, it was kind of a funny take. It had really funny moments. So I don't, I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but something about Ben Affleck had to, he was like this rich dude, had tons of money, but he was like alone on Christmas and some, oh, and he wanted to go back to his childhood home for Christmas, but his family doesn't live there anymore. A new family does, which is James Gandolfini. Maureen O'Hara was also in it. She's awesome. Oh, and uh, right. so he like 
rents the house and rents the family. Like, hey, if I give you this much money, can I stay with you guys for Christmas? And they're like, hell no. And then he like stays with them anyway because he offers them so much money. And and of course, Christina Applegate is the daughter that comes home for Christmas and is like, who the fuck is this guy? Why are you taking money from him? Get him out. He's an asshole. And of course, not going to spoil the ending for you, but you can kind of see what happens at the end. It's a little predictable. Uh-huh. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. but anyway, where were we? Oh, so... Mike's telling Santa, you know, how could you make this promise? What's wrong with you? And then walks off with the dirtiest fuck you look I've ever seen that he just shoots at Santa as he's walking out. Couldn't believe it. So Cindy and Carol are in the media room putting decorations together. Cindy says that she can hardly wait for Christmas and wait to see what Santa's going to bring you. Carol whispers, Santa's going to bring me something? And Cindy says that it's a secret. Okay, I'll tell you. And uh, you're going to get your voice back, Santa, promise me. Carol smiles and hugs Cindy. Uh, Just then, Mike walks in and says, Cindy, you know, can I talk to you? And then walks off with her to the backyard. So Cindy and Mike are in the backyard. Mike says, Cindy, I have something to say to you, but I'm not sure how to say it. Cindy asks, "Uh, are you going to scold me? (laughs) And uh, he's like, of course not. She's like, I didn't think so. You always know how to do that, Daddy. That's no. just weird. That's weird. That's weird. I made it creepy. That's the weird shit. So weird shit. <laughs> so Mike continues to say that uh, he doesn't want him to get her hopes up, um, and don't expect a miracle. Cindy so says, "I don't expect a miracle. I just expect mommy to sing good." So Mike just smiles. So now we cut to Marsha, Jan, and Cindy are up in their room. Marsha asks, where do you think we should hide the boys' gifts? Jan suggests the closet. Cindy says that, uh, well, that's the first place they're going to look when they snoop. Marsha asks, what makes you think they're going to snoop? And Cindy says, well, we snoop, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) Always outing the little one. So Greg, Peter, and Bobby are now in their room, just finishing wrapping their gifts. In a very militant fashion, Greg hands a gift to Peter, then hands one to Bobby. Greg says, okay, now, just make sure the girls don't catch you hiding these. Bobby says, if they catch me, should I eat the present? And Peter's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was, was like, that was weird, and like his reaction though was like appropriate. He's like, "What? Where did you get that?" He's like, "Eat it." He's like, "What?" And then Greg turns on him too, like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And he's like, "Oh, he's been watching too many spy programs." And Greg just shakes his head, like they just shame this kid. He's like getting into character that Greg started, you know, like we're men, like this is what we're gonna do. Your job is to hide these, you know. Right. And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Dispose of the evidence. Yeah. Uh, Now we see Alice sneaking in Mike and Carol's bedroom hiding to hide a present. Which is, I don't know, I was a little confused here. Like, who's who's the present for? And why is she hiding it in the parents' bedroom? I didn't get that either. It seemed like a scene that didn't even need to be in there. I didn't even understand what was going on there. (laughs) <laughs> no, and she's like oh i'll hide it in the closet and opens that up and it's like 
full of like gifts and just like clothes, which it doesn't show that it's full of gifts, but I see gifts like at the top of the screen. It doesn't point out like, oh, look at all these gifts. It just shows a full closet. And she's like, eh, and then moves next to it. And then there's another closet over there, which I'm going to get back to in a second. And then tries to open up that. And that's full of gifts too. She's like, well, shit. And so she's like, oh, well, maybe I hide it under the bed and goes to push it under the bed. And then she's like, uh, uh, what's going on? And she looks and then there's Bobby down there for some reason (laughs) under the bed with a gift. I guess he's hiding it, but like, why is he still there? (laughs) So weird. Didn't he have something in his mouth, like a whistle or something or a sucker? I thought he had something in his mouth or something. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Okay. So back to this whole closet thing. Okay. So. Apparently, they have two closets up in the bedroom, in the parents' bedroom. Super weird. So, well, like, there was a whole episode dedicated to that first closet that she opened and how there was barely enough room for the two of them to have all of their stuff. Oh. And they were trying to divide it, like, evenly in in the middle of the closet. And I didn't know there was a whole other fucking closet. Like, why didn't they just take a his and hers closet? Like, I don't know, it didn't make sense. You know, the, then the whole episode premise was like, what the heck? Uh, well, du- that was a B us. story anyway. It was a B story, not the main story. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, they needed something. The house, so. like they, it's like they just make it indefinitely big, you know? like That just... house is amazing. I talk about this house all the time. <laughs> the giant fucking living room that they have and then like the big open layout. Like that's pretty unusual for the day. So Right. It's a nice house. <laughs> crazy okay uh a while later we see the boys in their oh oh no yeah we see the boys in their room peter and bobby are sleeping and greg is listening to the radio and he's tracking santa across the country um he shuts it off and gets out of bed he grabs a flashlight and heads downstairs once he's downstairs he's looking at all the gifts underneath the tree um and he sits on the step just as marcia joins him marcia asks about a gift he was holding and he um, asked if it was his, and Greg says, ah, who cares? I started thinking about Mom losing her voice on Christmas. Marcia says, yeah, just before she's supposed to sing her solo, in case Greg forgot that's the reason why. Yeah. Right. Suddenly, Peter and Jan <laughs> join them downstairs, too. Jen says, Jan says how it's not fair. Like, I don't know, is this really going to ruin Christmas, really? That's one thing I wasn't buying. Like, I wasn't buying that the kids were that upset about their mom at all. I I I was like they they wouldn't care. They'd just be like, ah, oh, that sucks. But no. presents for us, like, cause not cause like ki- just cause that's how kids think. Like they don't. Right, right. Kids yeah. are not to be like jerks, but they're not that concerned with like the. They're not even that aware of like the wealth. Right. You know, I don't think it. Me- I don't know. I wasn't buying it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't either. <laughs> like, I think that by that point, they would have forgotten completely. Like, why? What's wrong with mom? Like, she has laryngitis. Oh, yeah, that's right. I oh, remember yeah, saying something about right. that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they don't. I don't think that the whole kids would all be like, like, <laughs> let's cancel Christmas, which we're about to get into. So next thing, Alice hears them and comes out. Aha! Caught you in the act guessing presents. Greg says that nobody feels too much like guessing any presents. Marcia suggests that we just postpone Christmas this year until Carol gets her voice back. Jan uh, then suggests canceling it all together. Peter agrees. 
Alice says, that's fine. Good idea. I'll take the tree down. We'll return all the gifts, throw the turkey away. Of course, it might upset your mom a little bit, being the first Christmas together and all, but, oh, well, fuck it, right? That's what she said. It was a weird episode. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, why worry about how they feel, you know? Meanwhile, Mike is at the top of the stairs overhearing all this. Listening. And just then Greg says, right, a lot of eavesdropping going on. Well, it was your idea, Marsha. And Peter says that, you know, please don't throw the turkey away. Alice says, well, I'm not. I just wanted you to know how silly you guys sounded. Kids realize and apologize. And Alice rushes them off to bed. Go on, off dasher, off dancer, <laughs> prancer. And then Mike continues at the top of the stairs. Off vixen, comet, Donner and Blitzen and the kids go off to bed. Mm -hmm. So Alice says, uh, I didn't know you were up there, Mr. Brady. Mike says, I, I heard what you said to the kids. Then gives her like the okay sign. Is that is that universally understood? The okay sign? Is that what that is? Because we're I, a podcast. I and think I'm actually so. doing it. <laughs> well, when, uh, like you said, it's like, it's so funny because it's like, the I don't know. I don't feel like the kids are actually close to the mom at all. Like the housekeeper and the dad, they're always like doing the thing, you know. So <laughs> the dad's like, I approve, Alice. <laughs> I told you it's Mike and Alice. They run the house. Yeah. <laughs> so next it's Christmas morning. We see Mike and Carol in bed. We also hear Carol humming, Oh, come all ye faithful in her sleep. Mike hears this and wakes up. And he's like, honey, wake up, sing. And Carol looks confused. Sing? At this hour? I can't even talk. Carol then realizes and sits up. I just did. Oh. I'm not dreaming. I'm awake. Yeah, I can talk. Mike tells her to sing. Sing like the wind. No, he didn't say that, but he should have. It, it's so silly. It's like because it doesn't just like even even with laryngitis, which is more kind of an on off thing. Um, yeah. It's not quite like that. It's not like you're just going to wake up one day and it's going to be like, Bah! like <laughs> it's so funny how the tuned, episode ready to go. Like, just comes back perfect immediately. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Uh, next, we cut to Carol singing in church. Uh, she's finally doing her solo. The congregation is all watching and smiling, especially Cindy. And she smiles and Mike looks at her and puts his arm around Cindy. And lastly, the last scene, we see Cindy in, in her room sitting at the desk just as Mike and Carol walk in. Carol says that it's time for bed. Cindy says, wait, Mommy, I want to finish this thank you letter to Santa. They both uh, remark how thoughtful that is. Just as she finishes, she says, There, I hope Santa can read first grade handwriting. And Carol says oh that I'm goodness. sure he can. <laughs> Cindy oh says that... <laughs> you have a comment? <laughs> uh, it's just funny. It's just like hilarious. Like super cheese. So much cheese. <laughs> I, think, I think Florence Henderson was singing. I think she can sing. I think she yeah, can. yeah. I think it sounds like her. So yeah, yeah I think I, so. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Um, because yeah. later they do get to the singing and the Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah, they they do. Even the Brady Bunch had a spinoff show called the Brady Variety Hour or something like that. Yeah, which was an actual variety show they did. Didn't last too long, but they did it. They did a so like there's several times where there was singing involved, you know, in there like as you know, but yeah, definitely. 
But what was interesting was it was like very opera singing, you know. I'm pretty. I'm almost yeah. certain it was her, but it was just like, ooh, like very like I was very like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very operatic. So yeah. Uh, so Cindy says to Mike that she told him Santa could give her a voice back. Mike says, "Yep, you're right, sweetie. Christmas is the season for miracles, huh?" And he kisses her. The end. That's the end of the episode. So, what did you see, think? That's weird. I think I thought for sure the Santa tie-in would come back, like you said, like like the the right. Santa really made it happen or real, like that. Like, yeah, like he'd be like winking yeah. or something, or um, right. Like, Something like that. Yeah, it would have been cool. Like, you know, like he was at the back of the church where he steps in real quick at the end of church and, and Cindy just looks around and happens to see him. And then he goes like, like wink. Right. And he's then like, yeah, she's cute. like, daddy, look, it's Santa. And then he turns around and he's no one there, you know. Right. I felt like but. it just kind of, it just doesn't really explain much, you know. It's like they didn't even say like God did it or anything. They were just like, <laughs> Christmas miracle for no reason. Yeah. Like, you know. I think she was just healed just because she was doing everything right with the humidif- humidifier, resting her voice. You know, just like you said, she just did what she's supposed to do. And coincidentally, she happened to be good on Christmas morning. Miracle. So. <laughs> but uh, it's a funny stuff. Miracle. It was funny to watch such an old show, you know. Just everything mm-hmm. is different, the way things look, and like you said, the clothes, and just interesting, you know. A lot of nostalgia. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, well, good. Um, so this is the part where you get to plug whatever you want to plug, talk about your YouTube channel, talk about your band, talk whatever you want. Where do you want people to go? Um, I suppose if people want to follow me more, they could... Just follow me on YouTube is the best thing, and uh, my channel on there is called Voice Hacks, um, and um, the link is uh, youtube.com forward slash voice hacks by Mary Z. Um, but if you search Voice Hacks, you'll find it. Um, but uh, for sure, I think that's the best place. Yeah. So if anybody wants to, thank you so much for having me on. It's fun and interesting and crazy and weird and um, cool <laughs> stuff. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. No, thanks for coming. And I'll have all your links in the show notes below. So you guys can just click below. All right, Mary, I appreciate you coming by. This is awesome. Um, This is a great episode for you to do. So we learned a lot as well. Yes, (laughs) totally. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I'll see you. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I want to thank my guests one last time for stopping by and come on back here every Monday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. It helps the show out tremendously. Hey, go ahead and check out a very pretty podcast.com. If you ever wonder what I look like, I got pics up on there. You can also see pictures of our past guests as well that have been on the show. Read little bios about them. And you can contact me at a very Brady podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email, any questions you have, or maybe you want to tell me that you hate a certain episode. Who knows? Or even give me a call and leave a voice message at 804-446-1901. Again, that's 804-446-1901. Leave a voicemail. I'll play it on the show. You can also head on over to the merch store at tpublic.com. The link is in the description of this episode. Join in on the conversation in the Facebook group. It's called a Very Brady Facebook group. 
So get in there, get in on the conversation, post memes. I don't care. Just don't be a racist. And be sure to also check out the Patreon page. If you enjoy the show, give a donation and become a patron. I'd certainly appreciate it. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash a very Brady podcast. Until then, I've been Tack, and this has been a very Brady podcast. Have a sunshine day. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.